And you people, you're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek. We are explorers. We're going to stumble, make mistakes, I'm sure more than a few before we find our footing. But we're going to learn from those mistakes. That's what being human is all about. It is possible to commit no mistakes and still lose. That is not a weakness, that is life. We're Starfleet officers. Weird is part of the job. Base, the final frontier. Make it so. Do it. Hit it. Let's fly. I'm Aiden. I'm Lindsay. This is the Big Spot. And we're at season three of Next Generation. Yes, we are. Things are finally looking up for the crew of the Enterprise D. <laughs> and for the viewers of yeah, the crew more, of the Enterprise more for D. for the viewers of the Enterprise D. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, this is the start of the Golden Age for the second Golden Age, yeah. I would say, for Star Trek. Yeah. Um, it marks a very uh, strong turn towards better writing. Yep. Better stories, better production even. We'll talk yep. about the costumes. Uh, I know it's near and dear to your heart, Lindsay. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a, le- a less chaotic behind-the-scenes uh, mm-hmm. situation as well. Mm-hmm. So this is really the the start of the trek that I think a lot of people fell in love with, us included, yeah. in our early years. Yeah. Um, or if, you know, you just happen to come across Trek in the late 80s, early 90s, even if you were around for the 60s. This is the good stuff that I think a lot of people got hooked on. And you mentioned the Golden Age, the second Golden Age. I actually saw, uh, I don't know if it was a poster like you could buy or if it was just somebody mocking up like a timeline of uh, uh, Star Trek production. Yeah. But um, but yeah, like this, this period is the longest period really in Trek history, I think. Unless you counted the movie period as a separate period from the yeah. original series. But even but you that, could. Like, you could argue like, that, yeah. I don't know, but it's it's like a consistent, pretty consistent period from about... I mean, they this counted it on. from 87 on yeah, okay. to the end of Enterprise in 2005, four? four? I think four. Um, so yeah, that's like, what is that? 17, 17 years? 17 years. That's a long time. That's a lot of track. Right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I guess the original series to the end of, to Generations, if you counted that, was yeah. you know, 20, 30 years. But yeah. Either way, this is a good period to be a Trek fan. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, uh, yeah, yeah, and it's, it's uh, yeah, well, we'll talk about all the things that we think made this shift happen. Yeah. And uh, we have returned with yet another uh, tier ranking list of yes, the episodes. Yes, Aiden really didn't want to do this. He thought last season, uh, season two, was just a, like a one-off. Yeah, but Lindsay's And I'm like, nope, we're, no. in, we're in it now. <laughs> I went on Canva. I found like a template that you can visualize it. And I put one together and he's like, damn it, now I have to do it too. Like, yup, this is what's happening. Well, and it is it is helpful because some of these episodes we haven't watched in, you know, a couple of years yeah. or something like that. So it's good to go back and be like, oh yeah, that one with the guy and yeah. the thing, you know, it's it's useful it's a, it's a as a podcasting way- tool. I'm 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 sticking with it because it's an easy way to categorize the episodes without having to rewatch them all. Yeah, because yeah. we know it, what yeah. happens in all of them. No, that's true, right? Yeah. Are you out of your Vulcan mind? Speaking of something we don't know everything about, Lindsay, uh, why don't you give us a little bit of an overview on the production history? What was sure. going on behind the scenes uh, as we get into 1989, 1990? Yeah. This is the yeah start of the turn of the turn of the decade. Yeah. Uh, so season two, as we mentioned, ended on kind of a rocky note. I don't think there was a lot of love lost between Maurice Hurley um, and 
the the writing staff, the yeah. uh, the, well, the cast, crew, yeah, the cast for sure, yeah. everybody yeah. basically. Um, so Maurice Hurley leaves the show um, and takes with him um, uh, Diana Muldar, yes. who played Catherine Pulaski. It was yep. kind of a I don't want to say it was a package deal because it wasn't. That's not at all what it was. But it feels like uh, Pulaski's introduction was facilitated by Maurice Hurley. Yeah. And so her ouster is kind of... Follows with his. Right. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. So yeah. they, they kind of do signal... Um, and nothing against Diana Meldor either. I, I, I don't mind her as Pulaski. But, but it's kind of a... An indication of what was going yeah. on, I think, yep. on screen as what was going on behind the screen, right? Yep. Um, so, but but with his Maurice Hurley leaving, we get some some interesting changes behind the scenes. Yep. Uh, Michael Piller arrives along with Ronald D. Moore. Ronald D. Moore was um, wrote a spec script. Yes, this is how he joined the yes. the writing team. Everyone's dream um, because <laughs> they never accepted spec scripts. Next Generation hadn't accepted spec. I don't know if. The original series did. We I don't think they. I that. don't think so. Yeah. But I don't think they did because I think Rodmary had such a tight control over things, and they loosened that up for season three. And so you get people like Ronald D. Moore who are become so instrumental to fleshing out the Klingons and the Romulans. And like without Ronald D. Moore, you don't have the Star Trek that we know. Yeah. And he was just a fan who wrote yeah. like fanfic and sent it in, and yeah. and it was good and yeah. amazing. So, <laughs> so that's kind of cool. Um. I think he's probably the most significant addition to season three. More is Michael Pillar is good. Michael Pillar. I think Michael Pillar is important. <laughs> yeah, um, and Especially there's a few he others. Was, but he was not. He was not acting as showrunner, but he was nope. kind of like the head writer. Um, or right away, wasn't he? Uh, or was that yeah. a bit further down the road? Yeah, but, no, I, mean, I think he was. But I mean, the perhaps the biggest one. Uh, uh, on the writing staff or beyond the writing staff is Rick Berman kind of taking oh, over. Oh, well, yes, as, of course. Yes. Yeah. So at the top, Rick Berman kind of yeah. takes over because uh, Roddenberry was becoming sicker and sicker and yeah. wasn't available to be on set every day, micromanaging everything like he used to. So um, Berman takes the lead and for better or for worse. I mean, yeah. we talk shit about Rick Berman all the time Absolutely. because of some of the things that happened later on and some of the things that happened with female cast members and crew. Um, but he did facilitate as well the resurgence in this second golden age. And yeah. even though he was probably later the downfall of this golden age, yeah. if it wasn't for him and the direction that he started to lead the series in at this point, we wouldn't have Star Trek today. So yep. I guess props to Rick Berman for this. But also fuck you, Rick Berman. <laughs> I mean, we just, yeah, you can't say his name without adding a little fuck you in there. But I, I am going to stick with my thing that Moore was was an instrumental yes. um, addition yeah. because of, uh, like I said, the Romulans and the Klingons. Yeah. Um, but we had other writers and script consultants come in like uh, Melinda M. Snodgrass, um, Hans Beim. Beimler? Beimler, Beimler, I think, yep. Um, promoted to co-producer. Melinda Snodgrass promoted to script consultant. Iris Stephen Bear joins as writing yes. producer. And I think that happened because people were pissed off with Michael Pillar. Because oh, really? of some of the writing directives that were happening. I can't remember how it worked, but um, he was kind of the go-between, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, Brandon Braga yeah, joined he, in as an intern. Yeah, he was an intern that first season. Uh, so he eventually came around to be, obviously, one of the biggest names in Trek. He yeah. continued on uh, through to Enterprise. He was mm-hmm. the showrunner on Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, in this season, you have that core creative team yeah. that will see Star Trek through to the 2014. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's actually wild. Or 2004, sorry. Yeah. It's actually wild that... that uh, that this group formed so quickly here in the third season and and really did last. You've got to wonder if it's because because this is like these are these are 
I guess they're old enough to have been first generation fans, but they would have been young when it happened. I don't think they were like. But either way, like they Ronald were, D. Moore they was were, like twenty four or something like this when it was. But they were yeah. sci fi fans, yes. and they were they yes. that doesn't happen without the original series. So they are yeah. kind of the the second generation yep. um, inheritors of Star Trek, and they were so passionate about it, and they've done so much um, to further the 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 legacy and the lore of the series and you know all of that like really it, it is it it's these guys that yeah, did it right yeah, yeah. it's kind of cool and it is mostly guys unfortunately i mean yeah, yeah you get later on you get uh jerry taylor is that her name I, I yeah she, uh yeah she was already involved with that i think was she? I, mean, she i thought she came in a little bit later i know she was she was obviously really involved in voyager mm-hmm. um and uh, maybe it was later on yeah but yeah again it was it was the 90s are a blur to me hayden <laughs> Yeah, well, because you were five when they yeah, started, well, so yeah, yeah, understandable. But yeah, it was it was a bit of a boys' club, um, and honestly, I think that kind of proceeded up until uh, modern modern Trek, where you have a bit more of a diverse uh, yeah. production crew and stuff. Yeah, um, but again, we we're not we're not there yet. But yes, this was this was the setting at the time. Um, more to the idea of the writing staff getting kind of a shakeover, makeover, shakedown. Mm-hmm. I kind of mixed Ma- those make two together. Down, yeah. What was I talking about? <laughs> um, Pillar wrote or said in an interview that the the staff were given two requirements for every episode. Mm-hmm. That every episode had to be about a character's growth yeah. and every episode had to be about something. Yeah. And I guess that is kind of um, the thing. It, it, it's maybe not those specifically, but like the fact that there were directives coming from Michael Pillar yeah. when a lot of the writers that that remained from season two were loyal to Hurley because he brought them on after everybody else quit. Mm -hmm. They kind of, yeah, that's what made them bristle. And so, um, they didn't, they didn't like being told what to do by this guy who just came into the position, I guess. Yeah. Um, you have a note in here that, uh, Stephen Bear actually, or Stephen Bear actually wound up crawling, corralling those people back into the fold because they were so pissed. They were going to leave the show. Another mass exodus of writers would not be great. No. Um, so yeah, he, he, uh, he he was the go between. Yeah. to make that happen yeah. and it's a good thing too because you don't get like like loosening of the reins in this way and also allowing the spec scripts and mm-hmm. um allowing rick berman allowed um writers to go back to the original series to mine for stories which yes. roddenberry didn't do yes he, he did didn't really want, want that, that yeah. so you don't get episodes like Sarek or yesterday's enterprise yeah. without being able to explore character growth and the original series and um all of those things that that eventually become hallmarks of uh, like Star Trek: The Next Generation and the series that came after it. So, yeah, um, yeah big big changes that really had a noticeable effect on the quality of of the show going forward. And you people, you're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek. Hey, that's the name of the show. So let's talk about the cast a little bit more. Um, as you already mentioned, Diana Mulder was out. Uh, Gates McFadden returned. Yeah. Uh, apparently this was a big push from the cast uh, in particular. I heard most specifically it was like Patrick Stewart. Yeah. I, and I don't know if he said this exactly, but it was like Muldaur leaves and McFadden <laughs> comes back. Like... And and fix the suits, like fix our <laughs> our costumes. Like those were the two things that he said had to happen, or he wasn't coming back to the show. I yeah. I think this is what this is yeah. reportedly what happened. Well, yeah, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Stewart at the, a little bit later. But I know there was there's that famous uh, anecdote from I think the captain's chair, um, the Shatner documentary where yeah. uh, Stewart was 
called in by an executive producer. He was going to quit the show, and this is yeah. in season two. He's going to quit the show because he's not being challenged, and he's not. He doesn't think it's good work generally. Um, and this was like the start of season two, before mm-hmm. Measure of a Man or any of those those better episodes started mm-hmm. showing up. Um, and he was like, "I'm going to quit." And the producer sat him down or uh, called him in early mm-hmm. to a lunch meeting uh on like just nearby the set where he wouldn't have time to change yeah so he'd have to go to the canteen or whatever this thing was yeah dress as captain card and he would have to see everybody and, and then the guy sat him there for 15 minutes w- make him wait yeah. until the producer showed up uh in order to see that everybody on on the set everyone in paramount yeah. was like oh my god that's 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 captain picard right, and right, like right, like right. bask in the the adoration yeah. and stuff and then he came in and he he did like a really hard pitch like he's like all right well we'll let you go at the end of the season uh you know you're obviously not being challenged we're not gonna we're not gonna keep you around so we'll we'll let you go at the end of season two no problem just just we'll we'll, we'll even write you a check or something and Stuart was like whoa 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 i just got 15 minutes of adoration here like let's hold on so he did a little bit of mind games that's like that's that. another that's one funny. so yeah so Stuart had really kind of started coming around as as kind of like the uh the voice of the crew or voice of the cast and, and stuff as yeah, well. Yeah, but not without his own ego. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's an actor. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's a given. No offense to actors. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's healthy to have one, I think, sure. in that industry especially. So. Well, and I mean, I mean you're, you're building... At this point, I think maybe they knew that this was iconic. What they were doing was, was becoming iconic. Yeah, yeah. Um, Certainly by the end of season three, yeah. they knew that. Yeah. So when you've had a hand in building a character from the ground up, basically, I mean, yeah... Yeah, yeah, you're allowed to bask a little bit, I think. Well, yeah, and you're and Patrick Stewart. Like, yeah. Well, and the show's making money, and yeah. everybody's happy. You know, yeah. like, it's getting renewed again and again. Most so. people are happy. Yeah. Maurice Hurley's probably not very happy. But. <laughs> well, but he's he's he probably got a nice paycheck as well. Um, so beyond uh, Maldar's departure as Dr. Pulaski, uh, we had some new characters come in. Mm-hmm. Um, most notably, and these ones recur quite often, uh, Dwight Schultz as Lieutenant Reginald Barkley. Broccoli. Broccoli himself. Yes. And uh, Tony Todd as Kern, Worf's yeah. uh, long lost brother yeah um and yeah they they come back multiple times in the show and they both provide something really interesting yeah beyond the, the core group i mean uh kern being more of a, a link back to that deepening of the klingon empire and the klingon lore i guess and and barkley being like almost a lower decks kind of character that gives that yeah the different outsiders perspective, perspective yep. of of the crew yep. um so really interesting stuff there beyond that there's other recurring characters from previous seasons that come back um frequently like john delancey yes um as q major barrett yep. um denise crosby yes. is back yes. for, as sila yeah. so well no as herself oh as herself but, right but eventually well, as sila it, yeah, it comes yeah, around yeah. yeah you're right you're right you're right <laughs> um and then yeah mark lenard yeah, Aseric. And Leonard Nimoy comes back in future seasons. Yes. Like this all leads to yeah. stuff that that, you know, comes into play. These changes start happening in season yeah. 3. Yeah, it's exactly. cool. It is it's very cool. cool. Um now one of the sadder cast related items that happened this season was Will Wheaton uh actually asked to be taken right out of the show. Yeah, I don't know if that happened this season or the next season, but it was it certainly started by this point. Like he was being treated very poorly and I heard or read uh, an interview that he gave where he said that he had been offered a role in yeah, a film. It was a major film too. Yeah, it would have been a big turning point in his career. Yeah. And he'd signed on to do it because he was told he wasn't going to be in needed on set. Yeah, he wasn't in every episode kind yeah. of character anymore. So yeah. you can go ahead and 
do it. And then the producer said, no, actually, the very first episode of the season is going to be very important. And it's going to be you and your mother. And it's going to redefine your relationship. So you have to be here. You can't do the film. And then he comes back and he was completely written out of that episode. If he was even meant to be in it at all. Well, no. I think you're thinking of the second or third episode. because the No, first I know. One, but they, they yes, told him yes. it was going to be the first one filmed. And that's why he couldn't yeah. be away. Yeah. So whether they lied to him or whether this was just jerking him around... He said he felt it was like a, a power trip. Yeah. It was like, we control you. We own you. And they they affected his career. And I think that as a young actor, as a kid who a lot, yeah. has gone on the record as saying he was um, financially abused by his parents yes, and, yeah. and had all kinds of things going on, um, that's got to hurt, right? And that's got to be the impetus for a lot of dissatisfaction. So asking to be written out and eventually getting that. I think his last, his last episode is in season four and then he comes back for a yes. couple episodes later yeah. on but yeah. he doesn't make regular appearances like no, in no he's season one yeah yeah season one and two he was written out yeah he was a core crew member really yeah. he was in fact probably the fourth most of it was going to be picard yeah. Riker, data yeah and then wesley was always saving the day like he yeah. was really one of the the biggest uh yeah and, and now again, he's the like biggest star an afterthought almost in yeah. a lot like he gets the first episode the nanite episode and, yeah um there's a couple other key moments in the bonding i guess he he plays a role but they're very like side role characters he doesn't come back and do anything important until yeah and i think the writers had kind of it's part of his shame because obviously like will wheaton is as an actor is pretty good and he's you know as a young man in this industry it's really tough but at the same time i think the writers had kind of gotten past Roddenberry's desire for like yeah. a boy genius you know so like yeah. they, they really didn't know what to do with his character except for these really good moments that he does have like in Evolution where well, he's struggling with his boy genius status you know like yeah. that was the most interesting thing about him was when he goes against the type that they set up in the first two seasons Yeah, but you can only do that so many times before it doesn't really stay interesting right and i mean there were things that could have been done with his character like you know having him get into Starfleet officially instead of having him fail and like that's later on but i mean like mm-hmm. these are these are things that could have made added a dynamic you know they they didn't have to completely rewrite what they done in season one and two but there are ways that they could have been addressed but i think you've got a cast that's so big and you've got to honor yeah the the character growth in those characters and they're much more popular so it comes down to like a financial decision and a you know these things there's th- a lot those choices have to be made and yep. you know he was unhappy so it seemed at the time like this was a good fit, a good thing to do, although he later regretted it. Yeah. And I think part of what he was upset about, too, was the writing for his character was just not good. He even knew yeah. that. Um, but unfortunately, other cast members later yeah. on said the same thing. They <laughs> yeah, were nobody, nobody was really getting... I mean, look at what happened to Troy. I mean, right. come on. Like, she got seven, six and a half seasons of crap. But, really. but, but the first two seasons, especially, they didn't really know what they were doing, and a lot of people were upset. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't just Patrick Stewart and Will Wheaton. Like, yeah, yeah. there were people who really didn't like what was going on with their characters. And um, I think, I wonder what would have happened if Will Wheaton had stayed on, mm-hmm. if by season six his character would have been, well, yeah, would yeah. have developed the way other characters well, in I mean, the show had. I don't know, because season three, I mean, we're getting the good writing yeah. here, even here in season three, and they don't really have much to give him. I mean, he does make, yeah. yeah he'd asked sm- to be written out already. I, yes, yes. So, I mean, but, maybe they weren't even trying anymore. Yeah, right? it's true. Yeah, it's, it's hard to tell which way which way that's going to go, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is, it is very sad. Um, and yeah, to mention again, just to uh, kind of add it from a slightly different angle, apparently at the end of season three, Patrick Stewart was still seeking a way out. Yeah. Um, whether this was a negotiating tactic is is not quite certain. Yeah. Um, but 
it it may have impacted uh, how the finale for season right. three was was set up and filmed and, and yeah uh, yeah let's leave it on a cliffhanger and then figure things out in the hiatus yeah, yeah and like we can write it we either our, way is exactly. he gonna be Borg and and yeah. off the ship and yeah. Riker will be captain or yeah which does seem like how they were going when you watch Best of Both Worlds yes. Part One it's like they're really pushing Riker to sit in the captain's yeah. chair for good yeah um but we know that that didn't happen so. yeah. But it was it was yeah it's a, it's an interesting tidbit to add add yeah. to a little flavor to the to the glory that is best of both worlds. So in terms of character arcs that happen this season, notably right off the top, we get some promotions. Uh, Jordi Forge becomes lieutenant commander. Yep. Worf goes from lieutenant junior grade to full lieutenant, yep. um, and they've really settled into their roles as um, chief engineer and. Uh, uh, security, security chief, chief? yeah yeah T- tactical, tactical officer, officer. Yeah, yeah i don't There's know multiple what his actual roles, yeah. title would be yeah. but they they settle into those roles and with um crusher coming back from starfleet medical um apart from the one mention that wesley has where he says you weren't even here it's not really mentioned that she was gone yeah. it's almost like she comes back and they just want to forget about it which is what i mean when i say that they could have done something interesting with that yeah. dynamic yeah. but um but nothing was explicitly mentioned, but there is a change to her character. She's mm-hmm. much more forthright. She stands up to Picard. She's not just this simpering, you know, potential romantic uh, lead for him as mm-hmm. she was in season one. Yeah. So she kind of takes over that. She's a softer version of Pulaski. It's like they took the orneriness of Pulaski and like the headbutting McCoyness, and they put yeah. some of that back into Crusher and she has like morals and positions that she stands up for when the captain pushes her. And and it's like that, that's the crusher that I, that I like. So I think that that's something you could maybe attribute to her being, you know, head of Starfleet medical for a year and being away and having to deal with whatever she dealt with while she was there changes her perspective on being a doctor, being chief medical officer. And, and she comes back and she stands her ground and stands up to her captain. And so I think that's a, that's a pretty cool change for her. Yeah, and it's it's something that kind of flies under the radar because first season Crusher, you realize it just didn't have much of a character. No, again, she's she a was, mother or friends was, with benefit. Like, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, like and and that again, it, she doesn't expand much beyond that. Um, even in this season, or even my favorite, some of my favorite Crusher episodes in season four and five. Yeah. Um, you know, she really doesn't expand that much, but you do get enough that you do sense that there is a character there. Well, yeah, she's not like. <laughs> she did, was she even really a doctor in the first season? <laughs> like we we commented on it. Like yeah. she doesn't really do much as a doctor, whereas that role becomes more important. Mm-hmm. And especially with Wesley gone, like she is the medical voice of authority on the ship. Yeah, for seasons three through seven. So, yeah. I mean, it's that I don't think happens without Gates McFadden leaving and being disappointed. Yeah. And, wanting, and then coming back and having these changes. To yeah, and the I think well, really. and I think again the the writing crew as well kind of recognized what yeah. she could bring to the table yeah. beyond the mother role. Although she didn't, in some ways, even right up to Picard season three, um, that mother role is just not well done for her. Uh, she really just struggles to be a mom. <laughs> I, I will say, like she's, it seems her both her sons have really bad things happening to them and she just doesn't notice a lot of the time and it's I don't know I, I feel like they really did a disservice to her as a mother in some well, ways and I don't I, know I do wonder if that's because there's a lack of working moms on the yeah. script writing team I don't know if it had been written by 
a, a mom who's trying to balance that. Yeah. Not to say that you can't empathize, but no, it seems but like in the 80s and 90s, there wasn't a lot of that kind of empathizing going on yeah. from male writers towards female characters. They were sex objects or um, actual love interests, or they were mothers. Like, they yeah. really... I mean, Troy was... Troy got the worst of it again. No, 100%. No, no doubt about it, but uh, Crusher really, really struggled here a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a shame to see She's it track still, her. I know, but I still I still think it's, it's, it's better than what it was. Massive improvement, absolutely. Uh, speaking of massive improvements, Lindsay, yeah. the costumes. Oh, the costumes. The uniforms are gone, are the... Well, except for Sirtis and McFadden still had to wear the jumpsuits oh yeah they did didn't they although i think i i think i read that gates mcfadden had her own costume made yes her 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 lab coat looking blue no i think thing. her i think she had i think she had a proper costume made it was slightly different color oh, like her uniform okay. had a slightly different color to it than yes, the other i think we noticed that when yeah. we were watching the episode and i think it's yeah. because she had her own she like paid out of pocket to have it made because they okay. weren't going to give one to her of course. <laughs> yeah. But but they did, it was still like a, a, a one-piece leotard, which meant that there were weight restrictions put on the women. It's such shit. It's Jesus such bullshit. Christ. But the men get to have comfy, I mean, it's wool gabardine, I believe, so it's not like it's yeah. comfortable under studio lights, maybe. I, I but can't, it would be so fucking Better hard, than lycra, yeah. I imagine, or whatever the, and it didn't hurt their backs. I don't know how it, how it hurts your back. Because, because it's, it's, it's so, yeah, it's like, it's like pulling on your your neck and stuff yeah. because it's pulling you down all the time yeah. so your back is just constantly stressed I yeah. think yeah okay um, but I it would be even worse for the women wouldn't it like like they'd be wearing a bra and stuff too like it would just be extra stress on your neck and your back like I don't see how it would not be worse for the women I, I, I don't think they, I don't think they cared <laughs> I don't <laughs> know if somebody picked that up but I don't know yeah <laughs> anyway, the men look great. Yep. I really love these costumes. They feel so much the, more professional. They the don't look iconic. like pajamas. Yeah, yeah. And I love I love the notched collar, especially. Yes. It just adds something not military, naval. Yeah. It I is guess, vaguely. It. Yeah. And then the shoulders are nice and crisp, especially especially on data. Yeah. Like he just the way like, it <laughs> just Lindsay affects- is gesticulating like a, like the curves with the hands. No, there's no curve. Well, no, no. It's it's very. It's like it accentuates mm. the uh, the shoulders. the android robotic aspect, yeah. and especially in the shoulders. Yeah. When he has such long arms, too, it's very yes. noticeable. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. it it just fits. Like all the characters look better, but it does bring the Picard maneuver to the fore. Although we did notice he does do that. In yeah, season two. We season were watching, two. Yeah. Season or one. Season one. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think that's just a maybe. That's just a Patrick, Patrick Stewart, Stewart quirk. Thing. Yeah. Uh, maybe it should be called the Stewart maneuver. But <laughs> it's uh, uh, the pulling down of the the tunic. I yeah. think is yeah. everybody knows. It's pretty iconic. Yeah. Like the Riker maneuver. Everybody knows what that is. Absolutely. Right. Make it so. Also changed was the title sequence. Yes. Um, which always made me so happy because I hated when we rewatched season one and two. I was like, "Oh, I, what is wrong with this opening?" Yeah. It was, it was. It's not. It's not supposed to be like this. And then you get to season three, and you're like, "Oh, oh yeah, this is, this the is one. what I remembered because yeah. it was more iconic." But yeah. to have the series like season one and two, they were stuck to the the solar, the solar system. system. Yeah. Like you saw the planets that you knew already. It's like, well, that's not these aren't that strange exciting. new worlds. Yeah. Like we can just pull a telescope out and look at it in the backyard, right? Now, did the did the song also change in this season, or was I, that later? On? I don't think it. Season it two? was just a different um, it's recording like a, of like yeah. a different orchestration. I think yeah. it, it became. I feel like the first season it and maybe into the second from season the movie. 
Well, I don't remember. It felt very um, string heavy. Yeah. It felt a little bit light. I don't know how else to describe it. Yep. Um, whereas when you get to season three for sure, I feel like the brass instruments start to mm. like that. Maybe I'm full of shit. I don't know. But no, no. It, that's what I recall. And I, of course, maybe I'll have to just go watch it and <laughs> throw it in the notes if I'm wrong. But I think you're right. I think it was season three when the the uh, the music changed. Yep. Uh, um, another thing that changed was the Enterprise D itself. They they actually built a brand new model. Yeah. Um, four feet long, which is pretty large. Uh, it had I mean, way more detail. They yeah. were able to light things properly. Inside and stuff. Yeah, it could show off a lot of things. But they um, couldn't do the saucer separation. Yes, it was a one piece. So, yeah. I mean, the saucer separation was kind of a gimmick. Right oh, totally. from the start. I mean, they do use it occasionally. Like, yeah, second episode of Best of Both Worlds, they use it, for instance. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, it doesn't happen, it doesn't very, happen very often. Though. It's not until uh, uh, generations that it's really notable. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but it was, it's cool. There's another one. I mean, this is a big investment. Again, this is how well the show is doing. Mm. They can afford to build another huge model. Right? Yeah. Those like, are really expensive yeah. to build back then because it's all done yeah. by hand and, you know, it yeah. takes a lot of time and effort. So, yeah, just another, another sign of the show's uh, success. Yeah, um, I think if we move into our overall thoughts about the the season, I think you kind of know where we're where we're headed with this. I think it's the first great season of Next Generation. It's not the best season, but it's the first that was very good, uh, consistently good, yeah, and had a, kind of a purpose to it. And I think that's a credit to fresh blood in the writers' room, fresh blood in the producers' chair. Um, and just a, a new, renewed, I guess, directive about how the show was going to look and feel and, and behave. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, like you write in here, it, it felt like it had purpose to it. Yeah. And that's, I think, the biggest change is that season one and two felt like, are we trying to mimic the original series? Yeah. Are we trying to do something else? But even uh, when they were these characters? trying to do something else. What are we doing else? with them? Yeah. yeah, like it it was, was, yeah there were just a bunch of unanswered questions yeah. in it was, seasons it was one and two. It was an uneven start. Yes. I don't think anybody is going to disagree. You had some <laughs> really great episodes. But this season, I mean, when we did our tier lists... Notably, Aiden, you have nothing in the bottom tiers. No, because because every episode is great. A, according it's a fucking to you, banger, yeah. it was hard for me to like grade it on a curve. And, yeah, like, Lindsay put tried to put it in the, the bottom. Bell curve. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I'm just not going to lie to you guys. <laughs> it's the teacher in me, I guess. No, we don't grade. You have on to a punish curve. the worst. But uh, oh. it's there. There are relatively few like stinker episodes. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's kind of evidenced in particular in like the characters that again don't get really good episodes. Yeah, even their episodes are pretty good. Like Wesley got crap the first two seasons. Evolutions is a pretty good episode. Yeah, it's it's a really good. interesting premise. His dynamic with his mom is kind of interesting. It's so his... much more interesting seeing him struggle with something. Yes. Like, yeah, that was so yeah, great. That was so awesome, yeah. right? And it was right just a brilliant idea. So, like, yeah, right off the bat. And then even, like, Troy, not so much. But Crusher has the great one where she's mm-hmm. a captive to the terrorist. And she's trying to, you know, understand it from her kind of medical yeah. perspective of, like, yeah, do no ethical, harm helping people. Yeah. But is it... Is it ethical to yeah. commit acts of terrorism? Like, is it justified? Like, all. But is it ethical to also hold people to this, you know, uh, dehumanized position yeah, in society yeah. too? Like, yeah. she's confronted with something that's outside her realm of direct expertise, and she has to like that's moving into character development. I think that's yeah. the biggest highlight, right? That yeah. this character building um, 
every episode, it's where you really start to notice that every episode has, it's like, oh, this is a Crusher episode, this yeah. is a Worf episode, this yeah. is a Troy episode. And and they all had a purpose. That purpose was growing those characters. Yep. Yeah, the um, Michael Pillar's direction. I mean, it's, it's yeah. all there, right? You have to take the character on a journey, have them arrive somewhere different than where they started. Mm-hmm. And you have to have something to do to do it with. And I feel yeah. like that that is actually one of the more critical parts that doesn't get enough recognition is that they were really better and more interesting kind of like central conceits to each yeah. episode. Um, not godlike beings. Yes, yes, exactly. It's not like, oh, we're going to come st- stumble across Q again. Yeah. Um, I guess Transfigurations is perhaps... <laughs> kind of, but not really. But it's like the development of a godlike yeah. being. So it's like, yeah, yeah that, that's more interesting, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, and so there's um, most of our favorite episodes really combine both mm-hmm. of those things really well like obviously yesterday's enterprise you get to visit yar again and you get to explore that character yeah, and the character and, development and, and the then you have the, of time like, travel. yeah this time travel loop or whatever yeah. that's gone on right and then uh the most toys with data and like his like the sense of ownership and autonomy I guess, yeah and bodily autonomy and stuff mm-hmm. and uh you know just kidnapping you know yeah. like yeah. it's 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 cool stuff best of both worlds is obviously the the ultimate example of that it's it's everything it's it's Riker's journey towards captainhood and the Borg destroying everything that's good in Starfleet like it's just it's yeah. got everything there right and those combinations just came in time after time this mm-hmm. season in really really interesting ways mm-hmm. obviously uh who watches the watchers yeah. is maybe one of the best I mean Leland Palmer and- Leland Palmer <laughs> yeah exactly I mean he's right in there so uh yeah it's it's wild uh Still a little bit disappointing for the female characters. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, Lindsay, that was my note. Yep, uh, and, I know. But you, you'd agree? Like, yep. I, Troy got it the worst again. Her her one major episode is where she's negotiating with... Uh, the Ferengi? The Ferengi guy, yeah, for the wormhole rights or whatever. And she's, No, no, it, was, it wasn't Ferengi. The one, I'm thinking of the one where they were kidnapped. Oh, That's yeah. That's a different one. Yeah. That's also That's not her best episode. No, I mean, yeah. Like, her best episode is the one where she's with the Betazoid guy who's who uses yes. his powers to negotiate underhanded tactics and yeah. stuff like that. Um, yeah, which is an interesting idea because yeah. she does do that. She yeah. does use her yeah. powers for maybe slightly unethical, depending on which perspective. So that's interesting. Never develops into Never develops else. And that's anything. what's disappointing. It's yeah. that, you know, other characters get things like Data and the Offspring yeah. and, and the development of, like, can life. an android produce, <laughs> like, new android life? Yeah. Um, that goes to Data's whole character development. Yeah. This doesn't really go towards Troy's development well, as a person, no. as a as a female, as a therapist. And, and the worst part is that she every time she has to be in a relationship with the man in mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I, it's it's like the most annoying part she's of... She's the pretty, you know, exotic-looking alien species on the bridge. She cheers for Tottenham Hotspurs. She's not that exotic, okay? Like, <laughs> no, but she, she was a Aiden. I know. I'm just saying the Rings You're of Chalice conflated. and Beta Z, whatever, yes, yes. all that stuff. I get it. I'm just saying it was... It's Yeah, it's it's weak, and it, it, it really sucks that this didn't work and that she only got it in the sixth season. Honor, I mean... But, yeah. The return of Tasha Yar, I think it's kind of an interesting way to revisit a character that was really yeah. done hard by yep. um, and killed needlessly and senselessly in season one. Yep. And getting her to come back and, and assert that ownership over her fate was almost a catharsis for Denise Crosby as much yeah. as it was for Tasha and the fans of the show. Yeah. So that, I think, is notably positive. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, even, you know, Guinan in the few episodes. Guinan kind of falls... We, we've talked about this before. 
I think. Maybe, I don't know if on the podcast or maybe it was just you and me, <laughs> how Guinan is a better counselor than yes, Counselor yes, Troy. Yeah. We did talk about it. But that. there does seem to be a lot of like, um, what is she, what is her purpose? How do we explain her purpose? She's Elorian, so she can kind of feel that this is happening. Yeah. And and there's there's almost like, I don't know, it just feels, the the female characters are, are kind of afterthoughts. Mm-hmm. Even the ones that are like strong characters that that had really good drive and purpose in in season two, yeah, like Guinan, yeah, I think, yeah, just it's, lose it's fizzle out. Yeah, yeah. it's just a shame because I think I think honestly, Star Trek's best female character of all time is Major Kira to this day. And oh, or Jedzia Dax. Yeah, I mean, but Kira, hundred percent, Kira is like, like, and I think it's because they gave her an interesting backstory, which I don't think that you couldn't do because the backstories had already been established for these characters by the time this yeah. creative team comes on. Um, well, and DS Nine was a totally different. It was a totally different show, show and, so. di- and different environment and everything. And yeah. it, but it was it it allowed those characters to exist in that mm-hmm. in that dynamic. Mm-hmm. And the show just didn't. And it's it's just it's a poisoned legacy from that initial season one start when they were going to have three boobs or whatever the fuck mm-hmm. it was. Roddenberry was thinking, like there was and this. Sex, drugs, and yeah, yeah, poison, yeah. beer, intoxication, whatever. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, these characters just just really go to waste, and it is it is a shame. We'll talk about this more in subsequent seasons, I'm sure. Data though becomes Does not go to waste. No, and and this is really the season where he becomes the most interesting character. There were yeah. hints of that in season two, but yeah. this is where it's like there's not a single Data episode that I can think of that I don't like yeah, that isn't elevated all... to greatness because. Is is it because Brent Spiner's great in the role? Is it because AI and androids and and computers and that kind of thing are just, are just interesting, interesting on yeah. themselves yeah. in themselves as sci-fi, yeah, storytelling devices? Yeah. I don't know, but it's just a magical combination. And yeah. yeah, it it starts here. It starts with you know episodes like The Offspring or The Most Toys, right? Yeah, or the even the one I forget the title now where you go he instances of command where yep. he has to go down. Like I mean, that's a simple yeah, episode, but totally. It shows his conflict so well and his yeah. struggle to understand humanity and be part yeah. of it um, while doing his duty in this weird sci-fi concept, right? Yeah. Like, that is what makes a data episode so good. And they really mm-hmm. lean into it in future seasons. In uh, this one, I don't even think they really have a let Brent Spiner do whatever he feels like episode. I'm trying to remember. Mm, not quite. Not quite. So no. they, they let that open up later on. But yeah, um, yeah it's, on, it's on the road. Another character, I know you're going to disagree with this, Lindsay, but I think Worf finds his footing in this season with the start of the whole Kern, Duras yeah, family. Yeah, I will agree. I, I, like, I think Ronald D. Moore himself said it was like, okay, we're going to have a fantasy world that runs adjacent to our yes. sci-fi world and the fantasy world is the Klingons and yeah. it's all about, you know, honor and families and, and you know, dynastic struggle. Yeah, yeah, and all this, like, it's literally just high fantasy yeah. melodrama on display and I think it really works for the character of Worf and this season in particular, you know, finding out he has a brother and, you know, having to reclaim his birthright and, and fight all this stuff. It really sets and the template for the what to come. And starting the feud with the Duras family. Yeah, yeah. Which, which comes back. Which comes back in huge, yeah. you know, even into the films. Yeah. It's great. It's, yeah. it's, it's good stuff. Yeah. I still don't like the Klingons. <laughs> but it's good stuff. Yeah, fair. Um, and, yeah, and the maybe the most interesting character this yeah. season. Uh, he only gets one episode this season. But uh, Reginald Barkley, Broccoli... Yeah. Uh, Lieutenant Broccoli, uh, as the non-A-type Starfleet officer, was just such a change of pace. Yeah. And it's something that I think other shows have done as well, like other uh, Star Trek shows. Um, 
like DS9 has Nog in that kind of role a yeah. little bit. Uh, Voyager occasionally has like a Neelix episode that kind of fits that bill or, or there, yeah. there's, there's other, there's other avenues of it. Right. But Barkley is just so interesting as like, he doesn't, he doesn't belong. He's not, no. you know, he's not the Lieutenant LaForge who can no. just solve all the problems magically. He struggles, but most of it, the most important part for me as a kid watching this was that he struggles socially. Yeah. It's not that he's not smart. No, he he's very competent. He just, cannot interact with yeah. other humans Did, were you not able to interact with humans i even? still can't i mean i'm having a trouble talking to you and oh. i'm married to you so um yeah and i i thought that was a stroke of genius for like a show that's watched by a bunch of sometimes yeah, asocial nerds yeah, yeah you know like they like to see someone struggle that way yeah was a really good move and i, I love and it. it's it's interesting because of the reason or, or the, whole, the whole impetus behind his episode is like this weird overstep of like holodeck hr mm-hmm. like nightmarish scenario <laughs> like you're using it for mm. like fantasy porn type yeah. thing or revenge porn against the guys who have you know belittled you on the bridge or yeah. whatever um so it's like he's in the wrong but you kind of feel like you understand where he's coming from yeah. and like don't you want to do that like yeah cuss out your boss in the <laughs> the back room right yeah. like yeah especially for someone who doesn't have friends that he can yeah. actually do that with yeah. you know the holodeck makes a lot of sense and again it's it's the first step towards realizing what humans would actually use the holodeck. absolutely i mean the, the sex stuff is just kind of like hinted Implied. at here yeah. um but i mean it's coming by the time you get to quark and and vulcan love it's coming <laughs> For okay. sure. Shut up. I didn't mean it that way, but I'm I also <laughs> I also want to add in because um, we talked about this earlier today that I want to see a show in Star Trek because okay, back that up. <laughs> every character you see in Star Trek, every memorable character, is a Type A go getter, um, take charge, totally organized career track person, yep. and that can't be all that exists in the Star <laughs> Trek universe. No. There are people working behind the scenes in like data centers and working on like um, file organization and they're like <laughs> civilians manning yeah. uh, like and there are type B people and there are, there are people who have these issues with social skills and who are disorganized and Barkley being on the Enterprise is probably the most the least believable thing about him because of the personality traits that yeah. he has because he really doesn't fit in yeah. with anybody else that we see like even Wesley Crusher with yeah. the exception of losing <laughs> track of his nanites yeah. um is so much more together and he's like 15 yeah. so but i i want to see a show about that i want to see a show that's like the office but in Starfleet, like just these people, like paper pushers, you yeah, know, or yeah, whatever. Parks and the, Rec, like some local, yeah. just like the Riza cleanup committee. Because there has to be people like that in the Star Trek universe. Absolutely. And Lower Decks t- deals with that a little bit. Yeah, but even then, they are all they super are dedicated officers. Starfleet and, and people. Yeah. They're competent and they do their job yeah, well. Yeah. Um, so they're not quite, it's not quite what I'm looking for, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, there's no, I don't know that there's room in the Star Trek universe for a show like that. I would hope so, though. But Barkley is kind of that that way in. I feel like it's just <laughs> he's not that far removed from Michael Scott. Yeah, you're no, right. and 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 I mean, I guess you get a little bit of that with uh, um, Agnes Gerardi. She's a little neurotic. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and but and she's still the head awkward. of the Daystrom. Yeah, but she's like, not in Starfleet. Like she's kind of Starfleet yeah, okay. adjacent. So yeah. you get that. You know, they're scientists working at the Daystrom Institute. They're not quite. Yeah, 
you know, yeah. Starfleet material, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I, I just think of that part of the Star Trek universe, and it's really interesting to me. And Absolutely. I don't know. Maybe there's maybe there's a, a fanfic story out there. Maybe that'll be my Star Trek TNG yeah. fanfic yeah. episode. Lower, lower decks. <laughs> well, you already did that kind of. For, did middle no, you, decks. Did, you did middle decks, yeah. right? Yeah. Sub anyway. lower decks. It's like Sub Rosa, but. <laughs> Candle ghosts and all. Yeah. So we got to talk about best of both worlds. Kind <laughs> yeah. of, it it kind of deserves its own topic because yeah. it was it was pretty groundbreaking stuff. Uh-huh. Um, first of all, obviously, just the structure, the fact that it's a cliffhanger, mm-hmm. never done before in Star Trek. Yeah, um, was fairly common in in TV at the time, like the eighties. Like Dallas would end on most seasons on a cliffhanger. Uh, Twin Peaks at the same time, at the exact same time, is ending on its season one to two cliffhanger. Yeah, with so Adrian I mean, who shot Agent Cooper? Like imagine being <laughs> in that moment and being like shit who shot Agent Cooper oh my god are they gonna kill okay. Captain Picard like is there a ooh. lot of crossover between the I don't fandoms? know there's, there's I don't no know. me but uh, beyond that I don't know I, there must have been I there mean Twin Peaks was kind of like weird quirky yeah but it was it was like nerdy. super like like water cooler popular I don't know if Star Trek yeah. ever reached that point at this point no it was still exclusively for nerds but I mean Lynch was kind of for nerds for film nerds the different kind of nerds yeah, I don't know I you're right I don't know it doesn't matter because <laughs> it's it's still yeah a, a pretty incredible every time I watch it I'm like yes. it's it's May or June 1990 and you're like on the edge of your seat and Riker says fire um, and you're just like what the hell like the music what? hits and you're just yeah, like, and you're what? like that's it no how what and i have to wait four months to find out what happened and we could just skip to the next episode on netflix like it's we don't even fair. have to do it but yeah. it's still you hit that it gets that feeling every single time and I've, i haven't i've seen people talk about it online but i've never actually had a conversation with someone who was an active watcher of star trek at the time yeah and like had to live through that yeah, if you're but, listening to this and you were that person please email me I, i'm desperate I, to talk to you pick your brain about what that was like i think and i did how you're doing with the therapy all these years later <laughs> I did ask my parents at one point, and they were like, "Oh yeah, we thought it was all over. We thought he just killed Captain." Oh wait, Ricard. your parents? Of course, my parents. Well, yeah, but like they were parents <laughs> at the time and stuff. Like, were they sitting down every week to watch Star Trek? They or definitely they watched. They definitely watched the best of both okay, worlds. Okay, well one. then, because uh, I'm pretty sure I Aiden's remember parents watching. Parents email part me two. so that we can talk about this. I guess <laughs> you can text them after this is over. <laughs> I know it was more um, important for me to just get that into the. <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, and I think the what makes best of both worlds work so well is that it does shift the focus from mm-hmm. uh, Picard to Riker so so yeah. well. Um, you have, uh, what's her name? Ashley, what's her name? What, who are you talking about? The, the what's the lady who comes in to help fight the Borg? Blonde. Oh, I know. I can't remember her name. Lindsay, that's your whole job on this podcast. I know. Is to remember names that I've completely forgotten. It's all the smoke inhalation from the last few days. I've yeah. killed a few brain cells. Yeah, we've all, we've all gone without oxygen. Shelby. For, yes. Shelby. Ashley? Yeah. The fuck? I mean, you got the shh part, right? Yeah, there's so. a part. Of that. Anyways, her arrival <laughs> and, you know, her pushing this this question towards Riker. You're that, in my way. If well, you're not going to, I'm going to step over you to get, you know, like, but, but it's, it's a good challenge. Well, it's it's a good challenge and it, it brings into focus Riker's character in a way that never happens no. the rest of the series because 
you know, he starts off being like this ambitious, he's supposed to be like 29 kind of guys yeah. in his 30s, obviously. But like, yeah. he, he's supposed to be this like young up and coming. He's, he's one of the youngest commanders in, in Starfleet. He's going to be a captain by the time he's 30. Yeah, he's XO um, of the, the flagship. The flagship, like yeah. he, is, he is the fastest riser you can imagine. And his career stalled. And he has to ask himself, and this is one of the best scenes is when he's talking with Troy and he's like, is this who I want to be? Is mm-hmm. this, am I, am I going to be someone who's stuck here? Mm-hmm. Um, I've already passed up a commission, you know, is that really what I want? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's interesting because this is the Riker that we've got through the first three seasons. Um, and we're, we're questioning it as well. And then it's thrown into this dynamic where he has to kill his, his mentor and his, yeah. you know, his, his close friend, his captain. Um, and, it's it's just it's just something that we never get again. But it, it's such a nice combination of the Borg showing up and being like the big bad yeah. who are going to destroy all of humanity. They've already captured uh, Picard, mm-hmm. which we didn't know. I think in the first in Q Hue, um, we get this. We see the like little maturation chambers, and we're like, oh, the Borg are born. Mm-hmm. I I don't think they mentioned assimilation until this episode. Like, I don't think we have the Borg as, like, something that just takes over people. So when they just absorb Locutus and Picard, that's that's a blow, too, right? Like, that's a kind of a twist that we didn't see coming, and and Riker has to deal with it. Um, And you just... And knowing that Stuart, like, in the back, well, fans probably didn't know this, but knowing that now that Stuart was potentially on his way out just adds a whole other dynamic to that thing. The fact they were writing it so that you could write it it one way way, either way. If they needed to. Yeah, so... Um, it's kind of a perfect marriage of of that, like you said, the character development and the episode conceit and the the philosophical, like sci fi aspect of it with the Borg. And um, I, I would argue it's not maybe not explicitly addressed Riker's like ambitions later on. No, that's but yeah, it part is, two is a bit of a letdown. But. Well, no, no, but even in later seasons, I mean, it's not impossible to imagine him. And, and he does eventually get his own command. It takes until, after you know, insurrection yeah. Yeah. for him to get uh, his own command. Yeah. But um, Or Nemesis, Nemesis. Yeah, it's after Nemesis, yeah. you're right. Um, so, yeah, that's a long time. But, <laughs> you know, it's it, it does present a really interesting question because um, he would rather be second in command of the best ship in the fleet than yeah. be commander of some subpar science vessel. Yeah. And that, I think is telling but i also think it's very relatable because i feel like a lot of people maybe this applies to gen x and the boomers more so than millennials who don't really stick with jobs and who knows what gen z will do but i feel like the people maturing and watching this at the time probably felt a little bit like that they're Mm -hmm. like i've been in in my position for 10 20 years yeah and I could move on, I could move up, but I'm comfortable. Yeah. And so, and I'm making good money and I'm happy. Would I be is happier? It yeah. Is it worth it? Yeah. Do I do I want to engage with that ambition? And and again, it brings up that whole idea of like the ideal Starfleet officer who is type A go-getter, professional, all that. Yeah. Um, but it's it's you know, it's cast into doubt. Is that really what Riker is? And and it turns out it's it's not really. Like he he sticks around yeah. for a lot longer than anybody else would. Yeah. Because he's found his home. And I think that's that's something that's not really explored very well in subsequent episodes. Yeah. Yes. And it's also one of the things that makes next generation less believable as yeah. a like if you're thinking about Starfleet as like a military yeah. naval operation. Yeah, they would not let 
No, Officers they like would, this. They would not, Data would have been no. a captain by the end oh, of season four. Like <laughs> easily, all of these people are way too competent to yeah. have not been promoted. Yeah. Like the Although only promotion you get in the whole, aside from like off screen, yeah. Uh, Worf and LaForge yeah, is Troy, is Troy yeah. in season seven. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. And anyway. I mean, it is nice to have one ship that you're like, oh, there's a thing that's going to destroy the whole universe. Throw the, the Enterprise at it and it'll, they'll just solve the problem. And you're just like, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's nice. As an admiral, you'd be like, I've always got that, that trump card in my back if, Is that what you do with your flagship? <laughs> just throw it Isn't out. your flagship like your diplomatic? You don't send your flagship into battle, do you? Yeah, you would. You that, do? Yeah. If it, I don't know anything about I mean, if we're carrying along with the Navy... Uh, thing flagship is your just your biggest baddest awesomest ship yeah but just, this is like starfleet isn't only a, like a military no I mean, no a lot of people argue it's not even a military but yeah, it totally is it totally is but, but it's like they're out there to explore strange new worlds and yeah seek and this out is their best life. explorer so you send them to yeah. their exploration places but you're gonna also send them to fight other people like oh yeah that. if you need yeah it just seems strange <laughs> tell him he's a pretty cat and a good cat I will feed him. Perhaps that will be enough. So, yeah, imagine it's 1990, summer, you're watching Best of Both Worlds Part 1, you turn off your TV, and you are bereft. You're ab- you, you absolutely have no idea what's going to happen. I wish that you had today's sponsor available to you at the time, Rexidrin. Find your calm with Rexidrin. Whether you're struggling with the aftermath of being abducted by thinly veiled Irish national terrorist stand-ins, coming down from the adrenaline high of facing the deadly storms of Glorndon Corps next to a sworn enemy, or looking for a way to make it through the summer of 1990 without knowing if Riker is actually going to fire on the Borg ship and his very own Captain Picard, Rexidrin soothes even the most troublesome worries. Combining the medicinal benefits of traditional anti-anxiety with the restorative effects of a rice and holiday, Rexidrin tackles it at the source, temporarily blocking signals in the brain that might otherwise tell you that you're not going insane. The bald man they call the Picard is actually a god, and if you pray to him, you'll all be saved. Side effects of Rexidrin are uncommon and include headache, nausea, vomiting, drowsiness, dizziness, dysentery, minor cardiac arrhythmia, more vomiting, diarrhea, vomiting and diarrhea at the same time, memory loss, memory gain, loss or regaining of virginity, mild discomfort, anxiety, paranoia, gender impermanence, spontaneous dental hydroplosion, even more vomiting and diarrhea, scrotal and or ovarian torsion, and mild rash at injection site. Do not operate heavy machinery, light machinery, medium machinery, transporter controls, anti-grav units, automatic cat feeders, entire starships, or replicators for six to eight hours before or after taking Rexogen. Call your doctor immediately if you develop phosphorescence or begin speaking in tongues. Ask your ship's chief medical officer if Rexogen is right for you. Good. I like the I like the rise of tie-in. That that works for me. Yeah, like I tried to pull from as many episodes as I could. Yeah, yeah. Reasonably. And you got Galundin Core. Galundin Core? Galundin Core. Galundin Core. Can you hear you can hear the ice clinking in my glass. Can't yeah, you? same. This is the second time we've like openly been drinking on not like alcoholic drinks. No, it's just really hot in here, guys. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, if you are listening to this uh, and it's winter, we recorded this in uh, heat wave here in Alberta. So yeah. we're uh, we're suffering through with some um, some drinky poos and uh, we're not going to apologize for that. Sorry. Uh, what we will apologize for is our episode tier list because I feel like, Lindsay, you have a lot of explaining to do. You have a lot of explaining no, to do. No, I do not. Uh, yeah, I do. have all my, my things are rock solid. So I am going to start this tier list. Yeah, off. explain your rationale. So hands. I am describing the tiers in my head as follows. 
S tier are episodes that sometimes I will just get the the feeling I'm going to go watch that episode out of nowhere. I can yeah. just be like riding my bike. I don't ride bikes, but if I rode my bike, I would be riding my <laughs> bike to work and I'd be like, I should watch yesterday's Enterprise. And then I just want to go home and do it because that's how good these fucking episodes are. They yeah. just jump into my brain and they're like, yes, you need to watch Captain Picard okay. cry as with the soul of Sarek inside of him. Okay. Because why wouldn't you? Fair. You need to watch the best of both worlds. You need to watch the most toys so that Data can shoot that little bastard right before he gets beamed off. It's so satisfying knowing that he's going to murder a guy. Anyways, that's my S tier. Like yeah. the ones that just, they come and they're just like, yes, this is an amazing episode. I need to watch this yes. whenever it comes up. My A tier... A tier are episodes that I thoroughly enjoy when we're watching it. If we're going through the season, I'm absolutely going to force you to watch all of these ones. Mm-hmm. But they probably don't necessarily call to me at random times. It's it's something that when I look at the episodes, I'm like, oh my god, I love that episode so much. Mm-hmm. Am I going to go seek it out? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But if it comes up, I'm absolutely going to watch the hell out of it. Okay. Um, B tier are kind of my middle ones where I'm like, yeah, if we're watching the whole season, again, I will watch the episode. I will enjoy the episode. I probably will not seek it out hardly ever unless it's to like do some research or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, C tier, the one, this is where it starts getting like, yeah, okay, I'll watch it. Yeah, I guess. You know, that's kind of the vibe you get. Like you just, you have to do it. It's okay. You, you won't suffer too much, but you won't really enjoy it. D tier are the ones where you're like, do I have to watch this? And if the answer is no, I'm not going to. Uh, and F tiers are the ones that I actively avoid, uh, which is in this case, nothing. I have nothing in F tier. I have nothing, nothing in, in D tier. I have nothing I have. in D tier. There's not an episode this season that I don't watch, that I will not watch. Uh, okay. Menage a Trois is close. I will say I was, I was almost in my D tier. Uh, but even that one, I enjoy it for uh, Patrick Stewart reading Shakespeare to okay. uh, Lux Troy. So, Lindsay, uh, with that categorization, would, does that match with yours? Is that no, similar? Oh. No, not at all. How do you categorize yours then? I mean, it's about enjoyment, but it's it's more about, I think, when I think of the, the best episodes of any series, it's like what advances... Um, larger character arcs or larger story arcs that are important later on, like Best of Both Worlds or Yesterday's Enterprise, that like speak to a larger issue. Um, and the farther down you get, generally speaking, because I think I throw some of the Klingon episodes a little bit lower down because I just don't enjoy them, but they might have bigger impacts. In like, Obviously, they're going to have bigger impacts, but they don't. It, it's like an averaging system, right? Shut up. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> when you get to the bottom, it's like I could take it or leave it. Like I I, I just, wow. I, I will not. I can't believe you put the hunted there then. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It's, it's personal. I don't, I don't find it. I like my intellectual pursuits more than I like this my is, shoot em up. This was an intellectual yeah, pursuit. It was one of the really. most intellectual of the episodes. No, I, I yeah. just didn't like it. It yeah. doesn't speak to me. Because you're not listening. No, I can listen just fine. That's not been my experience in 20 years no, of being because, with you. No, it's because you mumble. That's true. I don't help myself, I but don't understand you don't. what you're saying. <laughs> and you don't understand what whoever wrote that episode was saying. Anyways, anyways, let's get into the differences. You know, it's funny for somebody who didn't even want to do this. You're pretty heated. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go at this point. Um, anyways, S tier, Lindsay. We do have a few similarities here. Yeah. Absolutely. Yesterday's Enterprise. Who watches the Watchers? Who watches the Watchers? The, the offspring, offspring and Best, Best of Both Worlds. Worlds. Yes. You've now, got more. I have more. I have Captain's Holiday. What the hell? Why? Why is that your S tier? Because Lindsay, oh my God, you were just saying, oh, it ad- it 
advances like a major important character thing. Jamaharan influences. Okay. First of all, absolutely. I mean, oh having a code word for sex in the <laughs> Star Trek universe is very important. But it's Captain Picard. He he gets it. He has a woman. You know what? It? He has a type. He has a type, and it's Vash of all people. Yeah, it's boring. Like, nah, no, no, and then you have like the little subplot of the like the the phaser and the or the time device and the time yeah, loops know, going on and everything. It's amazing. It's it's, it's, it's absolutely critical. It's wow, rough. you do not understand Captain Picard at all. You, I'm surprised you even shed a tear when he was assimilated as Lakitus because you don't even <laughs> care didn't. about this guy. I didn't shed a tear. Oh wow! Well, there it is. Uh, I do. I do think it's interesting. You've put the most toys in your S tier, and it's yeah. in my A tier. I I think it's probably closer to an A tier for me, but I I threw it in there because it pushes data in a difficult position. Sure. And he for someone who has you know such strict good bad ethical protocols yeah the fact that he comes undone yeah. at the end and he lies about it at the if very that's end, how you interpret it how would you interpret well that it he, could be interpreted in other ways such as that he didn't shoot that it was a malfunction maybe i mean it's it's, it's he, he was announcing that he was not going to let it finish and i feel like that was great because that is kind of like like I loved it for the fact that, you know, sometimes you got to kill people, <laughs> you know, like if they're pure evil, letting them continue to be pure evil is not not necessarily the best way. And Data didn't know the Enterprise was right there and could take him into captivity. So he did the the moral thing, which is killing like that. that That's such a stretch from the data that we started that episode with. I think it's I think it's but absolutely about, it, it, it goes it runs counter to the 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 necessity of killing that happens in the um the Irish reunification episode where it's like, is it ethical to kill? Yeah. You've got both sides of that coin being expo- explored in the same in, season. Yeah. And I like that. I love okay. that there's both. And I think talk about Sarek because that's another one where yeah. you have it. In where the did S-tier you have it? I have an A tier. Yeah. Okay. So, well, maybe you should talk about Sarek. Why did you not put it in S tier? Um, I guess it's just not as interesting it was again it was on the fence between Sarek and the most toys I just felt like if I had to choose I couldn't put any of those other ones that I have in my S tier I have four in my S tier Mm -hmm. and I couldn't move any of those out of S tier to replace and I didn't want to have six or seven in my S tier I felt like that was it waters the category no it does not yes it does that's why this tier chart is not a great idea no it's it's an absolutely great idea look at the conversations we're having look at this conversation look at the way my blood pressure is just rising and rising and rising anyway sarah is a really good episode it is a great episode it's an a-tier episode i will watch it i will enjoy it is it my favorite no is it important yes a-tier you what else me. do we have in the, in the in the in the A tier that's the same? That's shared. Uh, I don't know much. I, th- I think after this, it kind of we have the bonding. Uh, we have yeah. That's my. I think that's going to be my highest, and it's only kind of sort of Worf adjacent. <laughs> okay, I really fair. don't like Worf. I know you. You do not. The enjoy one where he episode. breaks his back. I'm like, yes. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're pro blue barrel. That's that's <laughs> it's, that should be your profile picture. No. Like I'm coming down on this motherfucker. <laughs> I like Worf. I just don't like the the whole Klingon like ritual Klingon fantasy thing. Stuff. I'm just yeah. bored with. But yeah. this in the bonding, it works really well because I think it it matches. Like that's the one where the, the little boy loses his mother. Yes. So he's got a moment with Wesley where he's like, yes. "We both he lost parents," this. and then 
also Worf, we lost a parent, but we also lost this crew member yeah. who was important. So we're going to bond and become brothers. Yeah. I, I like that. I think that was a good Worf moment. Well, so. and it was a good solution to that episode because that episode has yeah. such a cool conceit again with the with this creature yeah. that feels bad that it's killed yeah. the mother. So it's and trying so to like, take over, and it's like yeah, and the psychological aspects of that I yeah. think are really interesting. And and how is that any different from Barkley exploring his whatevers on the holodeck? It's well, kind one's of the permanent same thing. And for sure, a child. And, sure, yeah. <laughs> sure, but it's still dealing with the same kind of thing, like a, an escape from reality or yeah. a, a yeah. false reality. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So. Um, the booby trap we also have on there, both of us. Um, and that one. I mean, yeah. Dr. Leah Brahms is one thing, um, and I love that they come back to her and just completely like invert the, the character. I like yeah. the next episode with yes. Abrams so much more than the yeah. booby trap. Yeah. Like, I almost moved booby trap down to B tier just thinking about how much better that yeah. one is just because, Absolute, but either way. Actually fair, because, yeah, yeah it is it is much better. Yeah. Um, you have the enemy there. So do I. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's the one with... Uh, that's Glorandin Core. It is, yes, yeah. yes, with with, uh, with Jordy and the Romulan. And yeah. again, yeah, that was a really good episode just because it felt it was so gratifying when Jordy and that Romulan, whose name I forget, yeah. um, are on the bridge of the Enterprise, and they're like, "We're f- we're not friends, but we've survived this thing together." Yeah. So like, there's a mutual respect there. It just felt so good. I was like, "Oh yes, love that for him." Yeah, and uh, Deja Q we also yeah. have together in the A tier. So. Yeah. Then I mean yeah, it's a it's another solid Q episode. Yeah, I I will watch any Q episode pretty much. Yeah, any time. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's a oh well the one in season one where he gives Riker powers. I don't uh, even mind that one. I, uh, I I think John Delancey just chews so much of the scenery yeah. that it it makes it worth it even with this when the story isn't great. That's fair. I I agree with that. So the ones that I have in addition. To- that. Yeah, your A tier is like uh, half the season. It's most of the season because it's all very good. Uh, Evolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have you have Instance of Command. No, you did and not. And B tier. Uh, yeah. Okay. Wow. Instance of Command is an amazing data episode. I can't believe you have it so low. Uh, Booby Trap. Def- the the Defector. I love that one because it again adds to the Romulan mystique. Yeah. It adds to the thing, and it's the first time we get to see Tomalock. I think. Yeah. Um. It's yeah. It's just a really great uh, addition yeah, to it, it's and it's B tier for me because it makes me sad. Aiden, this is so subjective. I don't know what you Holy expected from me. Fucking There's shit. no objective reality to any of this. It's just how does it make me feel? Okay, does it that's make fair. my eyes leak? <laughs> F tier. <laughs> no, maybe not. Uh, the high ground, uh, which is the one with D- Dr. Crusher in the the uh, yes. the moral high ground is what's yeah. being discussed yeah. there and the terrorism and everything like that. Yeah. I think that's a, a great episode for Crusher. Yeah. Um, and a really good exploration of terrorism. Yeah. Um, a little sanitized for 1990 mm-hmm. audiences, sure. But it, it was it was very nice in that sense that I, I kind of wish that you got a little bit more of like um, either the terrorists are right or the terrorists are very wrong and they've invented this conflict. Um, it tried to play it in the middle a little bit. And so it wound up feeling like the terrorists were maybe a little disconnected from yeah. reality. Like, are they actually the good guys? Well, it, I, it, I, I don't it know. took a, I uh, see, it took a both I sides put it, I put it in the B tier because I think it's kind of the same reasons that you're talking about. It wasn't quite clear, um, in it, the stance it wanted to make, and I think it needed to be, but they couldn't because of the situation that they were commenting on. And this, I think, mm-hmm. we talked about this before on this podcast. Maybe it was just, again, in conversations we were having. <laughs> I never put it together, even though with the explicit mention of the Irish reunification of 2024, I didn't think of it as being about 
Ireland, Ireland <laughs> and the IRA and, and like the Troubles or anything. Yeah. I always thought it was an Israel-Palestine yeah. cor- correlate. Yeah, same with Bajor and Cardassians, right? You're just like, is it that one? Is it, is it so, Ireland? Like, so when, yeah. and watching that for so many years without really, like I'm an idiot, without putting it together with Ireland, which I don't have as many strong feelings about as I do with Israel-Palestine. But well, to it's be simmered down a lot. In it the last had, years, yes, yeah. absolutely. Whereas, yeah, yeah Middle East <laughs> is still a, a shit show. Um, to be in the middle of Israel Palestine and to not take a side feels yeah. like a moral failing. Yes, and yeah. so I feel like in not taking a stand, I can't, I can't push it up to a higher tier for that. Yep, the high ground is low for me. Fair, fair. <laughs> you see what I did there? That's terrible. Um, a matter of perspective, which I now that I'm reading the thing, I cannot remember what that episode, which one that is actually. I remember. Matter of perspective is the the one where Riker has the the um. It's a he said she said court yes, case one. Yes, which I is not a good episode. No, <laughs> okay. like I I have it in a tier here. Because I can't believe you have it in a tier. I, I love the idea of a multiple perspective court sure. case Fine. thing. Uh, it's kind of silly and there's some goofy evidence in there but I do no I love the way it wraps up I I think I'm glad Star Trek would do something like that it's again it's it's another court room drama it's another uh stretching the bounds of of what's acceptable in the genre it does have a really great iconic facepalm from (laughs) Picard which is good I think that's that's that that it maybe should elevate it to C tier but that's my D tier for me okay fair uh sins of the father is that wharf episode that we talked about um which obviously you hate with a ever-loving passion um and then hollow pursuits with Barkley I think that was the Right, that's the Barkley one, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that one's just great for introducing Barkley and the holodeck and the way it does, and the way Barkley's character is portrayed. I just think absolutely fabulous. So I, I do not complain. I think we have a lot in common. Um, we have the bonding, booby trap, we, yeah, we the enemy, already. and Deja Q. But then a lot of yours that you had an A tier, with the exception of Sins of the Father and A Matter of Perspective. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Captain's Holiday. Yeah. No, that's an S tier. Um, I put down in B tier. Like I have Evolution, yeah. yep. which is your A tier. Um, the Defector. Yep. I, I'm just not keen. I, I didn't no, speak it's fair. to me. Fair. Didn't spark joy, as Marie Kondo would say. I'm clearing it from my life. <laughs> um, I put the high ground there. I put Hollow Pursuits there. Uh, Tin Man. You have Tin Man above that. Yeah, I I like Tin Man as a first contact episode, and I think because um, the I forget the character's name, the one who is the the Beta Z who or Beta Zoid who hears everything and can't shut it off. Like I feel for that character so much, and I love the way that he and Data kind of bond in that episode. It's another great Data episode. Um, even though it's so, supposed to be a Troy episode. Even though it's supposed to be a Troy yeah, episode, 100% yeah. data just takes over. <laughs> takes over again. Um, for for that, I, I really appreciated that. And then they get to be friends. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, they adopt each other. Found no, it's family. True. It's true. Right? And that's the reason I have it as high as B tier because I, I don't... Mine's in B tier. Yeah, no, I'm saying usually I, I oh, almost yeah. put it in C tier because I really oh. I don't enjoy watching this episode, but I do appreciate all those elements of it. Yeah. I find his character is just so aggravating. I feel bad for the guy. Yeah. But at the same time, he's just such a jerk. I'm like, I don't really want to root Tam- for him. Elbrin? Is that his name? I have no idea. I think it is. That's amazing if it is. I think it is. You're just pulling that out. Um, I have yeah. um, the Ensigns of Command in this episode, which is strange because I yeah. will watch that one individually. Yeah. 
But the dubbing of the bad guy bothers me so much. That's so true. I, I want to hear the original audio. Why yeah. did they not let this actor read his own lines? I don't know. It's so weird. Yeah, it's very strange. It's very strange. It's bothered me ever I, since we I, realized it in like the first or second time we watched it together. Oh like, yeah, I noticed it the first time. Yeah, I was you like, were There's like, something weird about this. And then like his mouth isn't matching up with the yeah the flaps. And so I'm like, uh, yeah, there's something going on. And I want to know from a production standpoint, what happened that they had to go back and, and redo the vote, the, the, the lines, the speaking part. Yeah. Okay. Your C tier has two episodes. Menage a Troy and transfigurations. Oh, we didn't do your B tier. Oh, I don't, did I have anything else in there? Uh, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I, sorry. My apologies. Yeah. Uh, I have the survivors in there. Um, the price, mm-hmm. uh, the vengeance factor, mm-hmm. which is, I could be a C tier to be honest, but, yeah. uh, and then allegiance okay. and Tin man is my rounds it out. So those are the, yeah, those ones, they're all, they're all okay. You know, I, I do enjoy them. Um, again, when we're watching through them, I think all of them have some sort of redeeming factor to them. Mm-hmm. Um, like even the vengeance factor, I do like that there's this woman who hasn't aged in like 150 years or however long it's been and she's just so obsessed with vengeance that she yeah. she cannot let it go um and then right disintegrate so like that felt a little bit but i like that you know even because this is outside of starfleet like these people are so petty yeah that they still stick to like tribal affiliations yeah and stuff, i think you know? it reminded me of um you you watched captain power when you were a kid right i did watch captain power. That, this I, episode that reminds me of captain power yeah. the soldiers of the universe yeah. like it has a very visual, dystopian yeah and that just doesn't that and then there's this romance kind of on top of it i, I put a lot of the romance episodes lower down yeah. Which is strange for me because that's like... Why? I feel like as a as a fanfic writer, people would expect me to be like all over the romance, but nah. not not so much. A lot of my... Your B tier is a lot of my C tier yeah, as well. You've, yeah, so it's again, just kind of yeah, like shifted the, everything down. Yeah, you have the survivors in there. You put Sins of the Father in C tier. Yeah. Uh, the Price again. Uh, Avengers I put Transfigurations well. in there as well yeah, because okay. it just isn't... I like... The, the 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 green screen visual at the end with the glowing guy was kind of cool. That's about the only thing I really remember. Yeah, I, well, and I remember they tried to make it a, like a romance between him and Crusher, Crusher, and it was like there was no chemistry there really. And no, because the guy's an amnesiac; he doesn't remember yeah, anything. Yeah, and it's like why? it's weird. It is, and like the the bad guys who are like chasing him down yeah it's not explained at all like no. how many people has this happened to like why why are they against these beings of light and goodness like it's just yeah like, yeah which is not well developed that way um but yeah glowing dude that's kind of cool. so your c tier two episodes yep menage troy and transfigurations yep um i have my menage troy in f tier along with the hunted just not i would skip them if i could wow um and then my D tier, Captain's Holiday, Matter Perspective, and Allegiance. Which one's Allegiance again? I'm trying to remember now. I had it in my B tier and I cannot recall which website that is. We really should be better at this. <laughs> we looked them all up right before the I started the episode and then sometimes they just jump out. We know the episodes, just not by title sometimes. Allegiance is the episode where they put a fake Captain Picard on the bridge and those yeah. four guys are in the... the- prison like, yeah and they have guys. to like work together to yeah, get out and yeah yeah i just i yeah it's okay it's, it's one of those i like i like picard figuring it out yeah the whole 
fake Picard on the Enterprise is yeah. just annoying. I don't find yeah. that plot interesting. But I like watching Picard figure it out with the yeah. who the bad guy is within his myths and stuff. That was that was okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you have Captain's Holiday all the way down in D tier. Yeah, I do. Uh, which is unforgivable, and therefore Suck divorce papers will be coming for your D tier. Fine. Yeah. Take it. Um, and the hunted as an F. Yeah. Lindsay, we have to discuss this one. How? I just don't find it interesting. What? Oh. It's not a compelling story. I feel like what? it's it's just. I just don't. A when I was looking at the at the list, of, like by and again, looking at episode titles, unless it's an iconic episode, it's hard to tell what yeah. the episode yeah. is about. Um, but then when I started reading it, I was just like, oh. Oh, yeah. Was this one of those episodes that we watched and you were on your phone the whole no, time? Because I feel I like you missed something ha- pretty no. important. I remember. And, and you had the James weird Cromwell. Make it. Yeah, I like. know. But it just felt, it felt like you're doing, you had two episodes this season that kind of did the same thing. No. You had this one and you had the high ground. They're almost, you have a, a, a higher power that's subjugating a lower power. And it's slightly different context, obviously, but it's the same kind of thing. The higher ground does it better, or the high ground does it better than the hunted. I just felt like, no, you know... because this is like, this is about genetic manipulation. Sure. Uh, discarding veterans, like, it's it's very fucking topical to this day. Uh, it's it's about a society that wants to join Starfleet. Like, this is not just some yeah. random group that's that's asking for money or whatever, the, the high ground ones. Yeah. Anyways, I... I couldn't disagree more. I think this is like such an interesting topic that like they explore very, very well. Um, I, I The one problem I have with The Hunted is that the character that's being developed that Michael Pillar's direction is for is for this character that we will never see again. It is the guy who's yeah. hunted and, and he's like a super genius uh, yeah. soldier and everything, right? Um, you get to see it from his perspective and he grows. Um, I feel like it would have been perhaps better if it was focused more on maybe Riker trying to best him and him gradually coming around and being drawn into the conflict or something like that. But again, then it would have been just, again, a retread of the high ground with Crusher being drawn into the conflict. Like you're, you're no, describing but no, but, the same thing. Well, maybe a little bit. I, I, yeah, I, so maybe it was fine as it is. And it's definitely not F tier. I well, cannot believe it, that. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, it is. And you're wrong. I don't know how you can say that. This is totally subjective. How can you say I'm wrong? We cannot like the same things. It's fine. She said to trust nobody, and you basically brought everyone. Captain. Who the hell are you? Can we just all take a breath? Captain. What? what? I guess this is going to work because um, our Bixlog is not exactly a very uh, debatable topic. So we can fight over our placements on the, uh, the tier list all you want. Tell me I'm wrong. You are absolutely 100% wrong. Fine. I'm not wrong. Oh, no. You said fine. No, you can have your opinion. See, I'm going to be magnanimous and say you can (laughs) believe whatever you want to believe. Fine. Fine. I'll I'll accept it. Facts don't care about your feelings, Aiden. (laughs) Big Slog, Stardate 5239.6. This latest batch of episode logs has been enlightening to read through, mostly because so many of them center on first contact situations or places where the Prime Directive may conceivably come into play. 
For better or worse, the Prime Directive has always existed as a central piece of Starfleet Protocol. The central piece, in fact. It's not called the Prime Directive for nothing. And yet, it's not always put to good use, or used consistently at all, depending on which captain you're talking about. It's a question that begs to be asked, and it's one that Lieutenant Aiden and I have pondered already at great length. How useful is the Prime Directive? So, Lindsay, we didn't really get into the episodes that talked about this topic, actually, yeah. surprisingly, but Who Watches the Watchers? Yep. Um, evolution. I guess we did for a little bit for The High Ground and yep. uh, even the the one we were just talking about. Yep. Can't remember the title now, of course. Um, uh, Tin Man. Tin Man, yeah. Transfigurations. Uh, yeah. There's, there's a lot of episodes here that deal with... Uh, establishing connections with new species. A matter and, of perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, the vengeance, no, not the vengeance factor, the uh, allegiance. They're yeah, all they're yeah. all dealing with, yeah, meeting new species. The, ostensibly, the purpose of the Enterprise is to go out and... Seek out new life, new life. and new civilizations. Yep. Um, but yeah, the... the um, the, the Prime Directive is inconsistently applied at best yes. throughout all of Star Trek. And, and we're not just counting these episodes. These episodes. Yeah. But like across all of Star Trek, how useful do yeah. you think the Prime Directive actually is? Because as we understand it, as it's commonly explained, Starfleet does not interact with species that have not reached warp speed capacity. So yeah. Who Watches the Watchers is the most obvious example of Bronze Age civilization. Yeah, Bronze Age civilization yeah. that they've contaminated by doing it yeah. and we we had we have talked about this previously that you know the prime directive is really critical to avoid colonization like yes. the, the issues that humanity has experienced in its past avoid that by just you don't you don't interact with them yeah um but you know you have rojenko uh in the what's her name the girl with the long fingers in season two that met oh, with data yeah um sarjanka sarjanka um you know they save her planet you know, call her Rojenko. Rojenko, it's, it's a ja, again, I'm terrible with names. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you have, they save her yeah. planet, break the Prime Directive. But Who watches good, the Watchers? Who watches the Watchers? Break the Prime, break the prime Directive here. Um, you know, the, the Nanites are actually one of the most important examples yeah. because it's like they've created this life. Yeah. Um, and they have no protocol for how to yeah. interact with it. Yeah. It doesn't have warp capability, so should they be not? But it doing can it? destroy your ship. But it can destroy <laughs> so you have to so, engage with it in yeah. some way. Like it it feels like maybe the problem is that the prime directive is so inconsistently applied that I don't really know. It almost feels like it should be like it's a suggestion, it's the ideal. But yeah. and and I think that's kind of how Starfleet captains approach it. Yeah. Well, even the though ones they we talk, see, yeah. yeah, even <laughs> though they talk a big game about we never interfere with the prime directive or Jane ways we never interfere with the temporal prime directive or oh, whatever. She's, she's, she's but the it's worst. Like, <laughs> true. Um but it's like that's the ideal. You never see anybody be reprimanded yeah. or court-martialed for not following the prime directive so it's almost like the admiralty knows just, that yeah. this is kind of then why is know, it the prime directive and why is it the prime directive <laughs> and it, it, it's it's a good question because like you know you think of like our own species yeah. if there were aliens out there and they have their prime directive are they just gonna watch us you know boil our planet alive and maybe yeah. have nuclear wars at some point or something like that and they're just gonna be well there goes humanity not well gonna but that's them, what star right? trek like, has done with some <laughs> yeah, episodes sometimes some species, they do they they say well we're not going to interfere because they don't have sufficient capabilities so we can't interfere yeah um but then sometimes they do but sometimes they do <laughs> and and it almost feels like it, it comes down to i think in a lot of cases that i'm thinking of and maybe i'm wrong and, and you know if I am, you'll tell me about it, hopefully, in the comments. But um, when you're dealing with a species you don't 
have personal connection with in any way, shape, or form, it's easier to just let them be mm-hmm. than it is when you have a personal connection because yeah. it's the Sarjankas and the um, uh, whatever the character in um, Who Watches the Watchers. Yeah. When when you have like one-on-one connections or one-on-one interactions with them, it's harder to turn away and say, we're just going to let you evolve the way you're supposed to, yeah. right? So, yeah, it's a little bit... I mean, I feel like it's kind of a, a, a human thing. We do this too. Like if yeah. we, if we, if, there's if we rules have, and then you, know, you have to break them for, I yeah. will eat beef because I don't have a personal relationship with, with the, the cows. There. But I'm not going to eat cat <laughs> because I have a pet cat. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. so my, my, my love of animals only goes so far. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm not a vegetarian. Yeah. But I still claim to love animals yeah. while eating animals. Yeah. Like it, it's it's that's the kind of territory I feel like we're in with the Prime Directive in yeah, Star Trek. Kind of, yeah. That is often how it breaks down. Is like as soon as they've established it, they their their empathy takes over. Yeah, and it's like, and, and that's fine. But well, I mean, is it because like? Yes, I mean, like, and I think I feel like this is something that's always come up a million times. Like, like the like Rojenka's. Sarjenka's situation. Like, are you going to let a society that would just disappear, disappear? Because are you really, are you really helping? Or are you, it's not even helping. It's like, is allowing something to destroy itself or be destroyed the same as not interfering with it? You know, like, like, is that? It's it's the, it's the trolley question. It's the trolley question. It is. I mean, do you divert the trolley to kill one person and then you are responsible for that person's death? Or do you let it kill six people or five people or ten people or however well, yeah. many people well, are on the track? Okay. But it's like but an entire civilization or, you know, you've irreparably changed that civilization by but allowing it to it's, exist. You know? But it's, it's the, am I going to step in and make a decision or I'm going to step back and not do anything? Yeah, yeah, that's, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's the choice. That's part of the yeah. trolley problem that I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. And it's that, that point where... Yeah, that it comes down to that. It's the prime directive says absolutely don't do anything. But as humans, and I think that's the really important thing, there is a sense of empathy. The Vulcans don't have to deal with this because they're very logical and the Klingons wouldn't care one way or the other. And Well, they'd interfere if they Well, yeah. Yeah, if, blood yeah totally. So I mean, it's <laughs> like but humans have this it's the empathy. It's the, but, but the again, moral yeah. code that that allows them to be. It's a little fungible for them, right? Yeah. And I think this is what Enterprise is going to get into with the the blossoming, um, like humanity first stepping out beyond the solar system. For, for listeners, we've yes, just started just watching started, Enterprise, yes. Enterprise, so we have not seen it yet. Yes. So yes, this is new for us. Yeah. The, the the what's what's going to happen with Enterprise? But yeah, but I, I already feel that that's what it is. It's like mm-hmm. the conflict between humans being such a central part of Starfleet, and and they are the vast majority of the people on these ships for yeah. whatever reason. There's theories about that that I really like, yeah. but um, if that's what it is, then humanity has influenced the Prime Directive to become this suggestion. I would yeah. say. No, I I'd say it's right, and I think getting back to the to the to the reason why it exists is yeah. it's non-interference. It's yeah. non. You do not want to screw up 
people Other civilizations. yeah by accident really like yeah. you might go in there with the best of intentions and i feel like there have been a few episodes where they've they've dealt with this where like you go in there with really good intentions and then you know maybe a few episodes later or a season later they come back and they're like well you really fucked us up it's by doing this right? in australia yeah right? yeah exactly it's yeah. it's and you you cannot predict how that will come out so I, but i feel like it, it is kind of an unexplored topic in in yeah. these episodes because it's early on in the whole like let's yeah. explore how this actually works and stuff um but for the rest of the series and the rest of all of trek especially in the 90s um it's something that is again yeah it's there to be the rule that they break all the time and at yeah. that point is it why is it the rule like or if, it's there because the they're not going to break it but there's really serious discontent from somebody on the crew and then that becomes the conflict of yes. that episode yes but it's always about are we going to break it or not yeah it's not like just the background thing that we do it it serves a moral purpose yeah in every episode it appears in yeah and it and it is it is a really great writing tool for that yeah. because it will prompt you to like okay well if we interfere with this we are responsible for this species for the yeah. rest of their lives because or the rest of their existence because we've changed something yeah. radically in their society yeah that's that's rough right like yeah. um but here, here, I mean, yeah, season three, less of a problem because they were just starting this and they were, they were starting to starting to take those steps. But like an episode like Who Watches the Watchers? Yeah. Where, That's a know, pretty egregious step that they take. And yeah. Then, and the fact that Picard goes down there and yeah. like gets shot and like yeah. tells them like, so our first rule is kind of we shouldn't be doing this, but we're doing it. You yeah. Know, like, like it, I don't know. I It's... Like, I, it's like, not that I don't want it to exist. No, and that's the thing. It's it's really great as that that writing prompt and, and everything. But every time I'm always like, well, the prime directive says like, oh, we shouldn't do this. I'm always like, well, then you have to go die. Because like if yeah. you've been down or you crashed on this alien planet, we should not be spending six hours talking to the planet people yeah. to find out where you are. Like Chakotay and Seven of Nine did that yeah. one time when they broke through. It's like, no, you have to go kill yourself now. Because yeah. like that is your responsibility. You have to... Yeah undo as much damage as possible like and but nobody's willing to do that because we all kind of instinctively feel that that immediate harm is not worth the abstract good of not contaminating a society but isn't it like that's that's the real question because like again you are permanently going to fuck up this society for thousands of years potentially by your presence but that's that's again like i said it's 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 what humans do. It's what humans are really good at doing or... or, or fucking shit up? Yeah. <laughs> well, not fucking shit up, but like struggling with these questions. Yeah. And yeah. weighing them on an individual basis. I think that's what it comes down mm-hmm. to is that the, the prime directive is not so much a directive as it is like the ideal. Yeah. This is what we should be striving for. But in these situations where, you know, conceivably you could do better, more good in the short term by making contact then that abstract good like you said by not contacting then you do it no one's going to punish you for it because nobody does get punished for this i that i can think of yeah no so, i've never yeah seen anything like that happen so yeah okay well i mean yeah it's it's an interesting topic though lens i yeah we didn't really disagree here but it's just uh it's a yeah, it's it's one of those Star Trek topics that I think a lot of people talk about and and everybody has an opinion on. Yeah, and there's not really a clear cut answer. No, you know the the canon says it's the it's the thing we know that but from. We, but we also know Captain Kirk said it. Yeah. But but it's also not the thing. Not based the thing. on how often everybody, everybody breaks it. Yeah, <laughs> or or they apply it. 
Inconsistently, yeah. The same situation in two different seasons is dealt with radically different yeah. ways. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's true. Engage. So our next episode will be our season three watch along. Yeah. I don't think at this point we've decided what episode it's going to be. I kind of feel like who watches the watchers now. Just it might be. About that, that could be. That, that could be a good, a good one. one. But there are so many good episodes. Really, there's a bunch in your F and D tier. So how good I, can they fucking be? It's a be? bell curve. There has to be somebody at the bottom, no. Aiden. Yeah, and it is, and it's Menage Troy for both of us. Yes. <laughs> So there you that, go. Where it it is won't on be the- Menage Troy is what we're getting at. <laughs> we will not be watching that one. Fair. Um, and then after that, we're we're going to season four, which I think is my favorite season of Star Trek. It's I, such a solid season. I think it's the strongest season yeah. of them all. But yeah. it might not be my favorite. I might like season five a little bit more, but... Um, yeah, Maybe individual is, episodes in season yes, five. Yeah, are a little bit better. But. And I even like some of the wackiness that goes on in season seven too. So, yeah, yeah. but season four, we're we're gonna focus on season four, and uh, it's gonna be great. Um, and I guess yeah, tune in uh, next week or you know next up in your podcast playlist if yeah. this is two six weeks years probably. from now. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, thank you for joining us, listeners. And yeah. Lindsay, oh, I forgot what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> And I almost said live long and prosper. What is that? Did I just make something up? <laughs> long and prosper? Prosper. You can find all our episodes on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast fix. We love to talk Star Trek with our fellow nerds, and would love to hear from you if you have thoughts or ideas about any of our discussions or the topics we've brought up. You can reach out to us on Twitter, that's at the Bixpod, or by email at thebixpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Beam us up, Scotty.